God, we pray this in your name, in the name of Jesus. Amen. Welcome. Be seated. I'm glad that you're here. It's Family Sunday. This is quite nostalgic for me because at one time in my history here at Outward Church, I was the children's ministry director, and so we got to sing those songs, and we always, uh, you know, all the songs that we used to sing back there, we'd sing with motions, would help us uh, to kind of connect with the song, and that first song, that's something that we sing uh, at, our, at our Outward students that meets on Sunday nights, uh, which is just awesome. It's rocking, and we have a really great time. Uh, and, and I've been had the great pleasure of being involved in in uh, in, in our students ministry, and uh, and now here I am getting to talk to generations, and it's Family Sunday, and we know that the kids are going to make a little bit of noise. Uh, and, and kids, I've got I've got a message for you. I've got some things that I want to share with you. I hope it's not so boring for you guys, but. If you guys need to color a little bit, or, uh, you know, that, that's, that's totally okay. You need to get up out of your seat a little bit. I'm not distracted. I'm okay. It's Family Sunday. The generations, we have this opportunity to demonstrate to our children what it looks like to follow Jesus, to worship God, and we get to show them what it looks like to be a part of uh, his community, his gathering. I don't know if you've heard this story it's from the book of Joshua, and I want to tell you this story just in case you haven't. And I'm not going to read it straight from the Bible. I'm going to kind of paraphrase it, okay? So here's, here's what's going on at the beginning of Joshua, okay? Israel, who were slaves in Egypt, have now been wandering in the wilderness, being provided for every single day by God, learning to trust God, but they've been there for 40 years, all the while, they've been promised that they're going to be in a really great land that's going to have really great food, and it's just going to be a really great place to live, which is really good news for Israel because they've been slaves and wandering for almost 500 years now. And it's finally that moment, finally the moment where they would cross over the River Jordan and into God's promised land that he had planned to give them, but there was one problem. The land was full of people, strong people. They were enemies of God. They were opposed to God. And, and God promised them that he's going to give them that land and that he's going to help them to move God's enemies out of that land. But they must have been scared. They must have been wondering, how are we going to do this? And not to mention the obstacle that's right in front of them is this river, the River Jordan. So here's what they did. They got right to work about how they're going to get across this river. And they formed some planning committees, okay? First, the Corps of Engineers drew up some plans on how they're going to build a levee for the, for the Jordan River, okay? Next, they talked about how we're going to put all of the stuff onto, onto wheels so that once the river is, is, we built a levee and the river is stopped, we're going to get across. But there was some fighting. They were fighting about whose plan was the best plan to get across the Jordan. Now, your parents are might be tapping you on the shoulder and saying, hey, that's not how it happened. That's actually not how it happened. I, I, I kind of put a today's perspective on a problem of, of biblical proportions where they would have said, we've got to solve this problem. There's a, big, uh, there's a big problem here, and we've got to figure this out, and it all depends on us. See, this is the way that we act today. That is not ex at all the way that it happened. In fact, 
miraculously, God gave very specific instructions about how they were going to walk right across that river. Not on top of the water, not enduring the rush of the water, but that he would stop the water and they would walk across on dry land in the same way they did 40 years previously across the Red Sea. We find ourselves in a mess today. I don't know if you saw a, a, a truckload of pumpkins uh, uh, in the, by the doorway on your way in, but you know what we're going to do with those pumpkins tonight? <laughs> all right, tell your, tell your student-aged friends, 6th grade through 12th grade, we're going to smash all those pumpkins. Those pumpkins are not going to smash themselves. We're going to need some help, and we're going to smash them in, in six different ways, launching them and shooting them and, and smashing them and, and, and dropping them from uh, 50 feet in the air. And all the parents are sitting here saying, Who's going to clean up that mess? Because we're doing it right out here in the parking lot, and guess what? We've done it every single year. The mess gets cleaned up. But some of us start thinking about who's going to clean up that mess. We start looking at some of the messes that we have in our world today. Kids, maybe you can think about uh, your own room. Maybe mom and dad, they help you to kind of keep things orderly, organized, neat, at least once a week. Maybe you've got to put things back where they belong, and you probably don't like it. You probably wonder why do we got to keep things so clean all the time. But you get used to it. You live at home. You're a part of the rules of the place. And then mom says, you know what? Let's do something fun. Let's have like three or four of your friends come over. And you start thinking, oh, that sounds awesome. And you get in and you start playing with all your stuff and, and your stuff is being pulled off the shelves and played with and not put away in the right way. And you start to think to yourself, who's going to clean up this mess? I mean, this is mom's idea to have the friends over, right? And she's probably going to clean it up, right? And, and later, you're probably, probably going to find that that's not going to go exactly the way that you thought it was going to go. And certainly your friends that came over that night are probably not going to help clean up that mess. COVID created an incredible mess. There were all kinds of questions and opinions about what it is that we would do and how it is that we would solve it. And, 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 and here's how we're going to fix it. Remember, hand washing was going to save us at first. And then, and then it was masks. And then it was vaccines. And then we've got to keep the kids out of school. But the kids are going to be, you know, they're going to be just fine learning at home. But man, what a mess have we made with all of our reacting it starts to feel incredibly important now as we're coming into an election season about who should, we, who should we elect? Who should lead us? Whose idea is going to clean up this mess that we're in? We need a, we need a plan here. We have competing plans, and some of us feel in that absence of leading, we, we rise up and we say, I'm going to do something about this. And usually it's with our voices online. We're just going to get louder as we complain about the problems that we're experiencing, the mess that is created. But some of us, we, we start to get really anxious in the absence of any kind of what seems like there's no plan or competing plans. Mike Tyson said, everybody's got a plan until they get punched in the mouth. Right? And you that first contact with the enemy, and then they're like, uh, your plan goes out the window, right? Everybody's got a plan until something doesn't go according to plan, and then they got to come up with a new plan. I wonder if the church in Ephesus 
was at all feeling in this way because their leader, Paul, the one who had spent so much time developing the church, in fact, Paul spent more time in Ephesus than he spent anywhere else. A very large portion of his energy was spent on, on growing the church in Ephesus. And now he's in prison. So Paul says in verse 13, I'm going to kind of jump in between the three verses here. In verse 13, you'll see it on your board, or on the TV, I'm sorry. It says, I ask you not to lose heart over what I'm suffering for you, which is your glory. Okay, so that's the point of everything that Paul's been saying. He's saying, I, I want you to not lose heart. I don't want you to worry about this. So how do we do that? Well, you know what he prescribes for us in verse 12? Let me read it to you. In verse 12, it says, In whom we have boldness and access with confidence through our faith in him. Boldness, confidence. You got to have boldness and confidence. Get out there. You got this. Boldness and confidence. How do you manufacture confidence? I don't know if you've ever been scared, but boldness and confidence are not exactly what I'm feeling. What's the plan here? Who's going to clean up this mess? I'm not feeling all that bold or all that confident. Maybe if I knew what the plan was. We need a plan. We need a plan, and apparently we need boldness and confidence to carry out this plan. How can we possibly have boldness and confidence if we don't know the plan? Now, let me go back to that story. Do you remember the story, okay? Joshua is leading his army of, of, of Israelites. They've never really fought anything. All they've been doing is wandering for the last 40 years. And now they're going to cross over the River Jordan. Well, God gives a specific plan that first these people are going to walk. It's the Ark of the Covenant, and you need to be so far back. And, and, and you need to make sure that you follow them, and you move in this order, in this direction. And they spread the news, and they give the word. And, and somehow this great leadership, along the fact that God's appointed leader, Joshua, who's been approached by an, by an, an angel of the army of the Lord giving these instructions, that's giving them confidence now. That's giving them boldness now because for the last 40 years they've experienced God's great provision in their lives and he's giving some weird but specific instruction, stuff that they've seen before, Moses striking a rock and water coming out, manna, bread falling from heaven. There's all kinds of reasons that they could, they could just trust this guidance, this leadership, this direction. And so they do exactly as God says according to plan and the water stops and they walk across on dry land with boldness and confidence right up to Jericho with another set of odd instructions not to attack the city but to just march around it quietly until the seventh day when they're just going to yell real loud and make lots of noise and that causes the, the walls to tumble I mean some odd set of instructions but at least They've heard the plan. They know the plan. They can with boldness and confidence move forward because they're so sure of the plan and not only the plan, but the plan maker. We need to know the plan in order to carry out the plan. 
You know, verse 11 tells us that we have access, we have knowledge of the plan. Verse 10, if you were here last week, uh, Pastor Matt talked about how it's through the church that God's going to reveal his wisdom. The church is the plan. You guys are the plan. God is going to, through his church, carry out his plan. But even bigger than that, if we look at chapter 1, God's, God's great purpose, his ultimate plan is to unite all things to Jesus in heaven and in earth. This is, this is the, the completion, the culmination of God's great plan is that all things would be united to him. Okay, that's kind of like God telling us, God telling Israel that you would be in the promised land, living there, and all the people would be out. But how? How is it going to happen? What are the steps? What's the process? What's the plan? I'll move forward with boldness and confidence. Just tell me what the plan is. So God says through the church, but I'm looking around, and you're looking around, and you're, you're, you're including yourself in that, and you're saying, I'm the plan? I'm supposed to have the plan? And that's how we work sometimes. That's how we live sometimes, kind of anxiously saying, like, I, I think we got to do something here. Like, we don't have enough community groups or, or the community groups that we're doing are not the right way or, or we, need, we need different leaders or we need to be doing a different kind of music or, uh, man, we're not reaching the city enough. Like, like, there's this kind of anxious, like, we got to do something here, guys. It's not working. The church is shrinking. There are church buildings that are empty that used to be full. What's the plan? We can know the plan. Let's look at this, at this uh, passage here. In verse 11, it says, This was according to the eternal purpose that he has realized in Christ Jesus our Lord. This being the message from last week that the church is God's plan to reveal the manifold wisdom of God, the greater plan to unite all things to Jesus, and that it's going to be through the church. But it's realized, it says, this, this is realized in Christ Jesus our Lord. Okay, so God's great plan was realized, was accomplished, was made, it, 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 like Jesus is what made the plan happen. God had a great plan to use Jesus, to send Jesus to fix the problem, to clean up the mess, and this was according to the eternal purpose. Now, my, my, my daughters, they have this uh, balance board. It's a simple piece of, of wood. It's uh, like 10-ply plywood that's like bent into an arc, okay? And it doesn't come with any set of instructions, right? It can really have any purpose that you want it to have. And it has. The purpose has really morphed. It, it started as a kind of, uh, they would stand it upside down, and they would kind of balance on this thing, and then they would turn it over, and they'd stand on it. That's probably the most common thing, is its, it's purpose was to make them feel taller. But then they learned if they put it on the couch, they could slide down it. Uh, I think my older kids learned that they could launch things on it by stepping on it. It shoots it into the air. Uh, that you can crawl under it. It can be a weight for pillow or uh, for blanket forts. Its purpose is, is, is always changing. Consider an eternal purpose. A purpose that, that, that doesn't change. Jesus had an eternal purpose. 
That eternal purpose was to accomplish God's great plan to unite all things to himself. So we might be thinking at this point, as we're considering our everyday Jordan River issues, whether it's a relationship that we can't seem to mend or fix, a neighbor, a coworker that, that we know that we've got to tell them about the love of Jesus, but we don't know where to start. Uh, a, a, you know, a, a work situation, a financial situation, challenges in your marriage, challenges in parenting, things that make me angry, things that make me feel sad, things that feel impossible. And you're being told just to move forward with boldness and confidence. But what's the plan? How can we move forward with boldness and confidence without knowing the plan? Now, there's an important word here, and it's in, it's in verse 12. It jumped off the page of me, and I couldn't look at anything else. I couldn't, I couldn't think about it. I couldn't consider anything else. I, I heard boldness and confidence, and I'm moving forward. We've got to have boldness and confidence moving forward in this great plan. But there's, there's a word there in between boldness and confidence that I think reveals the answer here. Do you see it? We have boldness. So in whom, that's Jesus, in Jesus we have boldness. What else do we have? And we have it through faith in him, but we have access with confidence. So you might say that, uh, that it was easy for Israel because they saw they had a pillar of fire and a, and a pillar of smoke at night, and they had, they had manna fallen from heaven and an angel of the Lord given specific instructions. I don't know if you guys have had any of those things. I have not had any of those things happen to me. You might be saying, like, it was really clear what God wanted them to do. I don't have that kind of access now like I did then. And I wish I could tell you, like, more of the story I had planned, I had planned to share with you, but I, I feel like we take for granted the kind of access that we have. You see, in Israel, they did not have direct access to God. They didn't have the Holy Spirit inside of them. They didn't have their Bibles. In fact, only one person could enter into the presence of God, and he had to do it so carefully and so specifically, otherwise he would die. They actually did not have the access that we have. What kind of access do we have? We have access with confidence. What, what access do we have? we have? We have access through prayer. Do you guys understand what a big deal it is? That at any time, at any place, in any situation, in any moment, any time of night, we can just walk right into God's bedroom. Wake him up. He's not sleeping. He never sleeps. But, like, we don't have to worry at all. We can, with that kind of boldness, walk right up to God and say, God, I need help. And he listens. He looks at you. He pays attention to you. We have that kind of access. We have access to God through his word. We can, we can know exactly what it is that he's uh, leading us to, what he's leading us towards, both as a royal we and a personal we. We, we can know exactly what he's leading us towards. We have that kind of access 
to his very voice through his word. We have access to God that he's given us through the Holy Spirit. I have to read this verse to you, Romans 5. The first, verse, the first few verses of, of Romans 5. I, I was led here uh, because this word access shows up in one other place besides Ephesians, and it's right here. Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Through him, we uh, have also obtained access by faith into this grace in which we stand, and we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. Not only that, but we rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance. And endurance produces character, and character produces hope. And hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. Did you hear what that says? Did you hear what that said? Like, we're going to have suffering, but there's like a purpose to the suffering. It's going to produce hope in us. And the culmination of all of those things that God provides to us, the very end of that whole five verses of comfort that is meant to give you boldness ends with, we've been given his Holy Spirit. Consider how incredible that is. God himself living inside of us the creator of the world gives us the greatest gift, and that's himself at all times, in all places, available to us at all times. We have God's Holy Spirit living inside of us. We have that kind of access. We have access through Jesus to God the Father. I want to read just one more verse, Hebrews 4, 16. This, this, like, this passage made me think of, of verse 16. Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that, me, that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. What do we do when we're in that place, when we're staring at a mess and an impossible situation? We don't need to come up with a plan. We don't need to choose the right plan. We don't need to ask around about what the right plan is. We have that kind of access to the creator God to go right next, right to him with confidence and boldness and ask him, God, what should I do? Do you hear him? Do you hear him responding to you? Let's, I, I, I just want to try this real quick with you guys, okay? This is, I, I, I'm going to invite the band to come forward. I'm going to invite uh, the, 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 the kids who are, are preparing communion. I want them to get into position. But I, I, I just want all you guys to just close your eyes for a second, okay? Close your eyes. We're going to do this right here and right now. I want you to bring to mind, just right where you are, bring to mind what's the thing that feels messy to you? What's the thing that is causing you a lot of inner turmoil and heartache? Think about what it is. The thing that you've been stewing over. What decision should I make? Should I do this or should I do that? Maybe it feels like an impossible situation. You don't have any plan. I and you're saying, I don't know what to do. This feels impossible. Bring that to mind. What is it? See if you can name it. 
and just ask God, God, what, what should I do? Is there, is there any example of this in your word? Is this like, is this like Joshua at the, at the River Jordan? Or is this like the woman at the well who just can't seem to find satisfaction? Is there, is there anything in God's word that would help you? You see, this is the way God is speaking to you. He's speaking to you through his word. What is your impossible situation? I'm just going to give a little bit of space here. Just 30 seconds. I want you to just try and hear the voice of God. You have access to not only the plan, but the plan maker. Will you do that? Ask him, what, what should I do?